0: So eating more um. sugar decreases your full signal and then you want to eat more. Mm. So in other words, sugar doesn't ever curb your hunger. It actually increases your hunger.
1: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I am very intrigued with the world around us right now, because I think personally that um, Vladimir Putin has lost his touch because he was insulted back in May by the leader of uh, Wagner. Of, is it with the W or oh, V? I'm not sure. Let's not get into semantics, shall we? And just recently, it was like reading a book. I'm like, man, usually it just happens like in a week. But it took him a few months. That means he's getting a little rusty. I, I can't get that guy's name. Yevgeny Prigosan and it is a thing for me like russian names are hard like vladimir you get it georgi or georgi you get it or even uh mika you get it. but and this is Yevgeny brigostin and it's just so obvious but no one's admitting it right like everyone's like oh he, the, he was he was hit it was taken out but everyone's like no that's the world we live in right there's no one truth there's no um black or white when it comes to the truth especially i mean it's too black or white when it comes to other things like polarizing things but when it comes to the truth there are multiple truths and everyone can believe their own truth and that's kind of messed up because it then leads to all sorts of shit um but yeah, i didn't want to talk, i mean i did want to talk about that. why i did speak about it but i'll tell you something while you read this kind of stuff which is heartbreaking which is you know anxiety provoking, or whatever the thing is, which creates fear in you. There is some stuff which makes you smile every so often, right? I was reading this article today, because I think this week, as we speak, I think the G20 in New Delhi, uh, a lot of the big countries coming, you know, the G20, I'm not going to give you a breakdown of the G20. But A lot of preparation happening, a lot of things being shut down for security because, of course, you know, you have these big twats coming in and they are the leaders of the free world or whatever you want to call it. And everyone has to basically uh, shut up and step aside because they're taking decisions that will affect us all. And these are men, typically, or maybe some women who, yeah, have a shitload of power over our lives and yet we seem to be pushed aside. Um, Anyway, I don't want to go down that slippery slope of commenting on politicians and political leaders. There are some good ones, many bad ones. I'll leave it at that. But the thing that interested me is that there is a monkey problem in Delhi. Now, these are, is it the rhesus monkey? And they are notorious for going and harassing people us by They run across the road. They nick food from people. They trouble people. And now, of course, with the world leaders setting foot in the capital of the country, this cannot happen. It will mar the image of India when monkeys go and bother other monkeys. These are monkeys in suits. These are other monkeys which are not in suits. So... You have to address this problem, right? Because you have like a G20, you can't have a monkey issue, man. You can't be aping the West, right? You can't have these problems where monkeys are going around disrupting policymakers at their most heightened sense of responsibility and dedication to the country and their people. It would be hilarious, though, right? Like they're going around a policy or climate change and climate action, and suddenly a monkey's like, fuck you, just like scratching his balls, showing his middle finger. That would be hilarious. But to avoid monkeys from intruding on the G20 and disrupting affairs and the conference and all the activities around it. What has the municipal um, department in Delhi done? Well, their proposal is to put cutouts of langur, is it langur monkeys, which are the bigger, and they said it, blackface monkeys. I didn't say it, they said it, to scare the other monkeys, the smaller the rhesus monkeys from coming to these public places, from coming out of the wooded area and making their uh, nuisance felt um, they're doing this cutouts. So these monkeys get uh, scared and are not coming c- close to this. Uh, and they're doing another thing. They're getting people who work for the municipality to go around these cutouts, making monkey sounds. So it seems realistic. And the monkeys don't just say, Hey, are you fucking crazy? I'm a monkey. I'm not going to fall for this shit. But they have people, human beings making monkey sounds and to make the believability of the cutouts felt, for the other monkeys. This is just crazy, right? I mean, I'm loving it while it's crazy. But if you had asked me, uh, municipal head of the, uh, head of the municipal department in Delhi or the municipality, whatever you want to call it, here's my thing. You're having human beings going around making monkey sounds to make the cutouts feel real. Now, I don't know if you've thought this through, but you've probably gone to stores. Maybe you've gone to Disneyland or if you're India, there was a show called kids camp or you've gone to other places where you have human beings dressed up in suits like Donald Duck, Daffy Duck or Mickey Mouse or even Chewbacca or even God forbid monkey suits. Now, my point is if you have people who are willing to go to the level of making monkey sounds to prevent other monkeys to come and disrupt affairs at the G20 summit, Yes. By having cutouts and sounds by humans to reinforce the belie- be- belie- belie- believability. What happened to my face there? Why don't you just have these municipal workers dress up as monkeys? The believability factor is a lot more than a cutout with backup vocals or a voiceover or a narrative for cutouts. I mean, this is like those still image cards which you flash through and they create an animation. Instead, now we have real animation, right? We have people dressed up in real suits, like Planet of the Apes. Hey, did anyone watch that movie in the Delhi (laughs) Municipality? You want to scare monkeys, small monkeys, have big monkeys. What is the bigger monkey and a more abundant monkey, let's not say bigger, than human beings? And Delhi, the capital, plenty of monkeys, plenty of potential monkeys. You don't have to dress them up. Some of them, yeah, you know what I mean? (laughs) So here's my proposal. Have human beings either dress up or not dress up, but since they have the ability to make monkey sounds going around the G20, it will be effective, it will be cost effective, it'll be um, believable. And more importantly, if you're getting bored at one of these summits as a part of the diplomat team or as a part of the commission or part of whatever the teams that are coming, it's fucking hilarious. If you're working um, long days in these meetings and you're just going back to your hotel and suddenly you see people, Going around as monkeys. Well, that will sell Modi's image of modern India, wouldn't it? Just putting that out there. Anyhow, before I speak more about monkeys in the summits, let me talk about today's guest, Dr. Jody Stanislaw. She is a person who helps people deal with type one diabetes. She lets them. Um, she, she helps them with the various things that they can do to 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 live a. Full life. And as a person who got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at a very young age, she has lived with it. And in a day where we are more and more learning the evils of sugar, and we're being flooded by products which have sugar, how does one navigate this? Now, of course, for someone with type 1 diabetes, it isn't a choice, unlike type 2 diabetes, which is reversible or avoidable. So how does one make sense of this world? And how does someone live with so much temptation? And how does someone with type 1 diabetes live a full life? So that's the conversation with Dr. Jody on today's episode. Dr. Jody, if you're listening, I appreciate you joining me for this conversation and all of you listening right now. Thank you as always for tuning in and listening. And of course, if you do like the conversation, do share it with someone and do subscribe to not miss a single episode release every Friday. So till next episode, goodbye. God bless. Take care of yourselves. Cheers. Oh. It's lovely to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me, Dr. Jody.
0: Thank you for having me on. I'm looking forward to our interview.
1: Lovely. So, you know, I just want to set this out there, right? You know, I'm, I'm 40 years old now, and I understand the conversation around sugar, and I understand what it does to you, and it's, I mean, the, in, in many aspects of what it can really do long term to damage your body. But you transport me back to when I was six or seven and say, hey, you know, sugar's bad. And I'd just be like, you're, you're being a mean parent or you're being a mean adult who's trying to prevent me from having fun and enjoying life. Uh, but in your case, you were um, diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at that age, around six or seven, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so what is w- yes. what, what is the world we live in? Because right now I can, you know, I have self-control or I know the consequences of eating sugar. But how do you tell children um, that you know, refined products, which is all the good stuff, Uh, sugar, which is all the good stuff in their eyes, that none of it is good, because, you know, it, it's just hard to communicate that, that message to someone who's just surrounded by it, and who's so tempted by it.
0: Excellent question. The parents do the shopping, though. Mm -hmm. And I think that parents need to empower themselves to at least take control of what's in the house. Right. And I've seen many parents say, I can't get my kids to stop eating sugar. And then I will ask them, well, who's buying the sugar? And <laughs> what I'll find out is the parents themselves don't want to stop eating sugar. Yeah. I think we really need to have the home life be healthy. Mm. Managing the if, if at home, there's a lot of sugar, then there's no hope for all the sugar that's they're going to be faced with outside of the home. So it it really needs to, I wanna talk to the parents and go through your kitchen and go through your pantry and ask why is this here? Because it is more addictive than certain drugs. And unfortunately it is so welcomed in a home. And that irony is killing people around the world.
1: Yeah, you know, that's the that's the very, um, I think, important point to acknowledge, right? Because, you know, I, I, I live with my parents and my wife and my one-year-old daughter and I. So we kind of obviously are looking at what we're giving her, right? She started on solids and we obviously there's no sugar. They just introduced a little bit of salt now. Uh, but then you kind of, you know, um, now, of course, my parents are older. So when I was growing up, like, it was a no brainer that you wake up in the morning, have biscuits with your, your milk or whatever, right? coffee or, and even now, I was talking to my wife and she's, she's like, oh, I just find it so hard to wake up and not, and avoid those three, four biscuits it's not a packet or anything, but it's those cookies or biscuits. And it's just so part of us, right? Like I used to wake up, I remember my breakfast or not breakfast. The first thing in the morning I would eat was like, you know, sandwiches with jam and butter and jam is obviously just <laughs> loaded with this sugar. Okay. And it, I mean, it's a great fond memories, but, um, now, when I walk in the kitchen, I'm just looking at, okay, from a point of view of what my daughter should eat or not eat. And there are these, these snacks. There's so many snacks everywhere. There's chips or these these various kinds of Indian snacks, which are similar to kind of like pretzels and that kind of stuff, loaded with salt and processed and oil and deep fried. And, you know, that's one thing I don't do anymore. I don't snack. But I did as a kid. I would stuff stuff in my face, right? I would just eat bags of chips. But yeah. the chips back then, just to give you context, were made in these local Home stores, right? Like mom and pop shops, but now yes. we're flooded with Lay's. We're flooded with these big brands that are pumping the market with whatever. you I'm sure we, everything you get there, we get it here. Like the the yes. cookies and the thing. So I don't have a question. I'm just giving you a sort of scenario of where we are. Um, the thing is, even if you want to be a you know, like when sometimes I'm, I'm telling my mom, I'm like, no, 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 don't give her any sugar, don't give her a biscuit, and they're like, oh, you this you guys are just being paranoid. So. It's hard sometimes <laughs> to even make the house a fort, not even fortified, but a place where you can think. Because like a lot of people listening to this, or a lot of people uh, in India, or wherever, might not just be in their own. Um, situation to kind of control or to kind of organize what they want to eat or what they want to feed their kids, but they live in an environment which is beyond their control. So how, and of course, like if you watch TV for five minutes, then you're constantly like, oh my God, if I don't have another McDonald's or another Carl's Jr. burger, I'm screwed. You know, it just feels like yeah. a combination of things just out there to get you.
0: It is. They're all out there to get you because the food industry is massive and guess what the drug industry is massive and mm-hmm. you don't think all those CEOs are friends you're kidding yourself <laughs> <laughs>
1: right yeah it's that it's that club they call it the networking club yeah sure
0: it, exactly exactly i'm i would say fortunate if you will to have been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at the age of 7 mm. because unfortunately it probably does take a health crisis to force people in today's world to change their eating habits. Right. I have a very unique perspective on food because I've had to watch every single bit of food that I've put in my mouth since I was seven. And if you don't have a health crisis, I assume you probably won't be motivated to change (laughs) what you're eating, which is very unfortunate because the problem with all of these Products. I don't even call them food. Food is what God grows, right? Food is what comes from the earth. That is what we were meant to eat. Is things that are recognized from the earth. Everything else is a product. It's not what comes from the earth. Thus, it's not generally what is meant for our bodies. Now, of course, there's a, um, you know, there are certain products that are closer to earth. And there's certain products that are not close to Earth at all. So there's yeah. that there's that whole. Um, I mean, I certainly don't eat every single thing that is from Earth. But when I work with people, because I'm a doctor, it's I and a holistic doctor at that. Really helping people understand the importance of what's going on in their body, and a lot of people are having damage and negative consequences of of a poor diet. That once I point out to them, you know, fatigue, headaches, achiness, not good sleep, all those things, people don't realize that what they're eating is affecting everything. It's affecting how you feel every day. And mm-hmm. um, it, it does affect everybody because it's how you feel your body. I don't remember what the question was. I'm kind of going off on a tangent. No, no, but. it's it's
1: it's <laughs> it's absolutely fine. I sometimes um wonder, you know, because we um uh, in many ways India's mirroring what the US went through or maybe what Europe went through in some ways, uh, of course, with certain different uh directions, but you know what what worries me is um you know, when I when I lived in America, I kind of always noticed that And this is, of course, uh, also documented in studies where all the junk, the fast food, the TV dinners are all propped up front in the grocery stores. And there's, of course, a marketing campaign behind that or a strategy behind that and all the healthy food and the stuff that you need to think about and kind of cook and put thought into is always stuck away in a safe and discreet corner, which only the healthy people and the ones who have the energy will find. But when you look at India now, it kind of is doing what the us did maybe 15 20 years back because there's a huge population that is there's a huge amount of disparity of course but now there's a huge population that is emerging into a into an economy which is able to buy and earn and and even the the a, a certain underprivileged population which was really poor is now a little less poor and i'm of course not speaking as an economist it's a general observation right but what what's happening is that it's created this space for these industries and these people these 10 CEOs, 100 CEOs who are all friends going, hmm, new market to exploit. And as a result, you see, many years back, there were people who were malnourished because of lack of food. But now you see that group of people who are malnourished now entering this 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 ability to kind of buy their kids or their grandkids, but they're not, not many of them don't, have an opportunity to understand that, you know what, I need to eat like the food that, as you said, grown in the soil, right? Like the, the millets or the, the, whatever they they eat, but they're tempted by this, by the, by by the Subways and the McDonald's, because that's what they're seeing with the smartphones, with, with online access to stuff. So Mm -hmm. it's creating the same, I would, I would call it a pandemic uh, on a much larger scale, because America is a country of 300 million, but a country of 1.56 or one, I don't know, 7 billion people. And that's scary for me because I have two questions for you here. One is, I mean, what do you, What does the future look like with a direction that we're heading on? And second is, if we have to avoid this direction and tell people eat fresh vegetables and eat fresh produce, do we have the capacity to provide for such a large population?
0: I will address your first question. Yeah. and uh, Well, the second question... I don't know. I don't. Okay. I don't know about food science in terms of quantities, right? Right. Um, but what it looks like is a very sick society, mm. and, and that means we're not going to be able to run good businesses. We're not going to find good workers. We're going to spend lots of time in hospitals and feeling sick. And we're going to spend money on medical needs. It, it's it's terrifying. And mm. the problem with poor food choices is that they don't show their their damage until much later it's a very slow decline right just like classic with type 2 diabetes you you don't get type 2 diabetes overnight you get type 2 diabetes as a result of years and years and years and years of misfeeding your body mistreating and misfeeding same thing and that is in the TED talk that I gave I gave a TED talk called sugar is not a treat mm-hmm. I I talk about how we give kids all the sugar and they start having focusing problems and depression and anxiety and then you know that can escalate into um, every aspect of your life you know if you can't focus and if you have depression and you and anxiety then you're going to not be a good student and then you're not going to be a good worker and then you're not going to be a good parent and then you're not going to be a good friend. And the the level of poor dietary choices that the world is making is affecting every single aspect of society, relationships, right. businesses, education, because everybody is running the world and, and everybody's eating a horrible diet. I mean, right. I think – one of the ways we could improve the world on every level is if every human being had a healthy breakfast. And that means no biscuits, no sweet, you know, mochas and pastries and cereals and like um uh, something wholesome, Um, a whole grain oatmeal, um, bananas and peanut butter, apple and nuts and uh, scrambled eggs or a protein even 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 a, a, a vegetable uh, stir fry with spinach and mm. and you know eggs something like that i know um i'm trying to i don't know exactly what people in india eat for breakfast so i'm trying to You know the interesting <laughs> thing in.
1: with that right as uh, you mentioned of course just to add in there like because uh, i look at our indian breakfast right and it's delicious but a lot of it is rice based right but um if you look at the the actual people might be oh that's carbs but the interesting thing is a lot of the stuff that the like we have this thing called dosa which is like a pancake but it's made out of fermented rice which is then ground and a lot of the stuff like idlis, that's another kind of like a donut uh not deep fried but it's steamed so a lot of the old uh stuff that we would eat is actually it's not just processed rice but it's fermented a lot of the stuff is fermented so that's apparently really good for people in the morning if you look at even, better. I think better. much better. Yeah. So, but then again, if you look at what is um, fast selling in the restaurants, the breakfast restaurants, it's all the deep fried stuff because it tastes so good in the morning. And mm. um, what you said, yeah, there are, of course, um, you know, a lot of people who eat, the, 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 you know, sausages, bacon and eggs, but a lot of Indian breakfast is is definitely more carby than uh, protein or uh, fat. I think fat, of course, we use and- a lot of clarified butter, which I think is good. But yeah, a high
0: carb breakfast can spike the blood sugar and then put you on a roller coaster the whole day. You feel you get this rush of energy because you eat high carb, and then a couple hours later you might feel hungry or tired or frustrated or angry, right? Because your blood sugar is dropping, and then you grab some more sugar, and you can be on that kind of, you know, high low high low roller coaster all day long. And I actually feel bad for all of you that don't have a medical diagnosis to force you to eat better because most people don't make major changes unless they're so fed up with being fat or they're so fed up with having headaches or they're so fed up because they get diagnosed with, you know, something or um, hopefully those of you that are listening are aware, though, of how much damage the, the, processed foods, the sugar foods, and the deep fried foods are, it it's going to catch up with you. In America, by 2050, it is predicted that a third of our population is going to have type 2 diabetes. And type mm. 2 diabetics have anxiety, have depression. They might get their foot cut off. Their kidneys might fail. They might have a heart attack, stroke. They might go blind because high blood sugar when there's too much sugar in the bloodstream, it's kind of like glass, little bits of glass circulating through the bloodstream, ripping apart the inside of your arteries, um, ruining your circulation all throughout your body. The number one reason why people with high blood sugar die is from a, um, a cardiovascular um, event. And yet that is not something that happens like a car accident. That happens over years. And uh I really hope that people, even if you can't make a big change, even a small change, right? Uh, it, it's, I don't know how to say it more clearly. Our diet is killing the world. It's yeah. truly killing the world because of, like I said, the domino effect of the um, lack of energy that a sugary diet gives you in the long run and the effect on your brain and your productivity and your creativity. And it if it doesn't affect you now it eventually will we see that okay. with type 2 diabetics it and eventually you, will catch yeah. up to you if it hasn't if your poor diet hasn't caught up to you yet it will
1: and i find that uh quite amazing that we kind of look at all the poisons out there right we say oh you know drugs and narcotics and alcohol and of course they all are bad but you know smoking's bad but we do it as an informed choice but we've never told food or look at food as an informed choice but well it is an informed choice because if you tell me now would you uh, and this is something I've been looking at closely over the past 18 months to two, to two years is I, I, I've been eating just two meals a day if if I do uh, sometimes one meal a day right and when I wake up sometimes at home Oh the smell of breakfast is delicious. I mean we all have to accept that, right? Like you know a, a, yeah. you know a donut with cre- sorry a bagel with cream cheese when it's toasting. Oh it smells delightful. But <laughs> when I do yeah. eat that um it feels good and I do eat it once and I eat breakfast maybe once or twice a week maybe maybe more some I mean, weeks. I'm I'm quite flexible that way but when I did go for about you know almost a year without breakfast um, and I started eating breakfast. Now I realized what it was doing to me, right? Because I would feel, as you said, you would have like withdrawals after the sugar crash, or you would have that craving. And we all feel uh that craving is the body, cr- you know, screaming for food because they, you, know, you hear people, right? Man, I haven't eaten in three hours. I'm starving. No, you're not. <laughs> you're, not you're not starving. You know, I close to starving. But there's, there's this thing now. As I was just just to paint another picture, but India is like. There's so much – I mean, in some way, it seems like an abundance, right, especially for the middle class and uh, lower middle class and above with restaurants with these food apps and just click of a button and these things. There's, at, You know, in, in 15 minutes, you can just get one pizza for like less than 50 cents and people are like, wow, um, how do you –
0: They're oh. all just trying to hook you to get and your money. And then people are hooked,
1: right? People are hooked and people <laughs> – I, I mean, you look at in IT companies, and these are people who are educated, people who have good jobs, quote unquote, good jobs. <laughs> and mm. it's just three meals a day, it's four meals a day, and it's um not giving the body a break. And, and just to give you my perspective on this, is because I did a year of eighteen to twenty one hours, hours fasting, right? I mean, intermittent fasting, and the way I felt, of course, you know, I'd, my 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 muscle mass dropped a bit, and I had to get back on protein to kind of improve that. But otherwise, like. I, I never we've always told measure our fasting shu- our sugar levels right that's the, that we have cgms and, but i never knew of this thing of fasting insulin like reduce your in your overall insulin level If that comes down your body's able to fight better and after a year of doing um intermittent fasting for 18 to 21 hours something which i had which i could never bre- reduce in my blood which was my triglycerides right i'm sure you've heard of the triglyceride levels which are bad for cardiovascular or a determinant of cardiovascular health mine was 350 because of genetic reasons like my family has a history of that after one year of doing this intermittent fasting my triglycerides dropped from 350 to 67 which was crazy without medication and i was like if your body can fight back and the biggest thing which i did was deprive it of over overfeeding i found that remarkable so I want to understand because you also, as a naturopath, are more preventive and holistic, as opposed to put someone on a pill and say, "Hey, see you in forty years." So right. how do you approach this? Like, what what do you look at a person who's just not thinking about what they're putting into their face? <laughs> Sorry, that's that's. I sometimes think like a feeding frenzy, right? Just it's like they just shovel food without even thinking what it's doing. How do you approach a person who's not even on the brink of the obese or? has hypertension or but someone who's just like you know in their 30s and they're like you know have no symptoms yet but could and but according to you is heading down that that slippery slope
0: i'll have to find out what's important to them Mm -hmm. i have to ask a lot of questions and also dig deeper into uh any any symptoms that they're you know do you get headaches do you forget things can you stay focused do you sleep well do you have all the energy you want Do you feel strong when you exercise? Uh, And then I'll say, well, tell me about your parents. And tell me about your goals. Can -hmm. you visualize what you want to be doing when you're 50 and 60? Uh, Tell me about people that you know that are 50 and 60. How is their health? I'll have to, you have to really dig deep into what's truly um, affecting their life today and maybe things that they're not aware of. Like I said, all those like energy and sleep and thinking patterns, focus, and then try to find out if they, if I can't find anything that's important to them that they want in the future, and I can't find any symptomology that they're perhaps not aware of that I've uncovered, then they're not going to change. Right. So I really have to identify a dream, a desire, a goal that they have in the future. And then I have to connect it to if you want to receive, reach that the diet that you're presently on is probably not going to get you there right mm. it so it, it does it takes it takes a lot of and if someone's not motivated they can't see any they can't see any negative impact and any positive future they won't change so yeah um but that's that's really the way it's hard to change the diet right it's, mm. it's really hard so just me saying hey sugar's bad is not going to change anybody i know that
1: <laughs> i know and that's the, that's the strange part right like by by, by doing uh, this intentionally staying away from food i started appreciating like how certain flavors are completely masked when you're just overeating because you're like oh this cheese doesn't taste good or but sometimes you know i, I would notice after a 21 hour fast or whatever even like a little like i would have a salad or something and without any kind of dressing and i could feel like the vegetable itself had a little sweetness to it or a certain yes, taste to it, you yes. know? And I want to understand yes. that because um, we say fruits, fruits are great. We eat like 10 fruits. And I don't know. I sometimes find it just crazy how people are like fruits. And when someone says eat like, you know, these superfoods, they're like, oh, I'm eating four kilos of broccoli. I think we just had a little mad as a species. So sorry, uh, that's my observation. not asking your question on that. But yeah. uh, can first of all, can we live an entirely healthy life without any sugar in our in our diet
0: well so let's define sugar mm. added sugar is really what i'm talking about added right. sugar the sh- sugar that food manufacturers add to products to increase flavor and extend shelf life right right in the american diet the top sources are of sugar added sugar are soft drinks fruit drinks flavored yogurts cereals cookies cakes candy So we're also talking spaghetti sauce, ketchup. Uh, It also can be even literally in soups, cured meats, and bread. Sugar is not a required nutrient in your diet. There's no such thing, actually, even as essential carbohydrates. If you study nutrition, there's essential amino acids and essential fatty acids. Mm -hmm. And that means certain proteins... Amino acids you need you must get from food and certain fats you must get from food, but there's no such thing actually as essential carbohydrates so added sugar is is not ever needed in the diet so now uh, so here from the American Heart Association, it actually given the heart risks of a high sugar diet because mm-hmm. actually. Too much added sugar is one of the greatest threats to cardiovascular disease. Mm. Uh, there's a study, 15-year study that people who got 17 to 21% of their calories from added sugar had almost a 40% higher risk of dying from cardiovascular disease mm. versus those who consumed 8% or less of their calories from added sugar. So, added sugar is not only not necessary, but it's a huge health risk and I actually have a whole list of other health risks I'll get to in a moment. Mm. However, so let me go back. The American Heart Association suggests that women consume no more than 100 calories a day, which is only six teaspoons or 24 grams of sugar, and men no more than 150 calories. And that mm. is literally the amount in one soda, in That's one crazy. soda. So in America, most Americans at least triple that, at least triple that. and On so, a daily basis? On a daily basis. Absolutely. So that, that's so,
1: crazy. So it's like three Cokes a day or. um oh, back- yes. Yeah. That's. Yes. Okay.
0: Yes. So let's go into the health consequences. Consuming too much added sugar raises blood pressure, increases chronic inflammation. Obviously both lead to heart disease. Right. Of course it contributes to weight gain. Of course we know that. And here are, here is this list. So. Heart disease, weight gain, acne, type 2 diabetes, even some cancer. Sugar increases inflammation, right? Inflammation increases cancer, especially esophageal, small intestine, endometrial. Right. Obviously, a higher risk of depression because of blood sugar swings, uh, creating neurotransmitter dysregulation. Uh, it can turn you into an addict. Of course, sugar releases these chemicals, opioids and dopamine, mm-hmm. that activate the brain's pleasure center. So it doesn't take very long to acquire this tolerance, meaning you need more and more sugar to get the same hit. Mm -hmm. And that, of course, then is going to increase your risk of depression and cancer and type 2 diabetes. It may accelerate the looking old, skin aging, um, increases in what are called AGEs, ironically AGEs, uh, (laughs) age, Uh, Advanced glycation end products, Mm -hmm. these are compounds that are formed by reactions between sugar and proteins. And so sugar and proteins damage collagen, they damage elastin, and collagen and elastin are needed for that youthful look. Mm. Obviously, it drains energy, which we've already talked about, how you can feel this blood sugar spike, which eventually is followed by a drop. Mm. Uh, It can increase the risk of fatty liver disease. Mm. So unlike glucose, fructose is almost entirely broken down by the liver, right? Mm. And high fructose corn syrup is in a lot of these processed pro- products. Yeah. And uh, this fatty, this high fructose can lead to non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Mm. It obviously can increase the risk for dental cavities, accelerated cognitive decline, increased risk of Alzheimer's. Fructose, high fructose corn syrup actually increases hunger levels, Uh, increased fructose consumption may cause resistance to this hormone called leptin, which Mm. actually helps you feel full. So eating more Um, sugar decreases your full signal and then you want to eat more. mm. So in other words, sugar doesn't ever curb your hunger. It actually increases your hunger. Right. Research has consistently shown that people who drink sugary beverages weigh more than people who don't. Mm. So it just goes on and on and on and on. It sounds right?
1: like someone would be telling you the dangers of alcohol, right? It's, it sounds exactly the same. It, it,
0: it, well, it's, it's very similar, isn't it? Mm. Cellular aging, depression, obesity, absolutely draining your energy. It yeah. is sugar. Is, they say more addictive than, I think, heroin something like that right it mm. and you get a to- you create a tolerance to it so it's and the, the, yeah. it's so subtle it's and it and it's sold to our kids we feed it to our kids we and that's we have it what's in our-
1: astonishing yeah. right that it's yeah. a, it's an institutionalized system where you're f- you, and it's and, and you know what I find they start them uh, young, <laughs> they start him, and 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 then they have the audacity to say you can't smoke or drink till you're 18. Like you've made them drug addicts from the age of six months. Like and now exactly. you're telling them that's just insulting to them, right? Like and I exactly. feel there's no chance for a kid now in today's day and age because they're. Uh, they're being assaulted from all sides, right? They have processed food. They have um, all the junk that they want and it's cheap and it's easy to get. And then guess what? On top of that, you get them onto another addiction, which is their phones and social media where, you know what? Because of the food they're eating, they look like shit. And now you're making fun of them and they're getting addicted to those platforms. And it's just
0: never... And unfortunately, it's all driven by these companies that want to make more money. And that's the strange
1: part, right? Which I don't get is you said they are you know obviously in collusion to to kind of you know you know the healthcare is in touch with the fast food with in touch with this and that. but what i don't get is of course none of their kids are on it like you know like just like the people who created social networks and their kids are on smartphones of course because they know the mm-hmm. dangers of it but as you said the, the future for a country or countries that are on this diet is just a sick population but, how, not will, sick. Not but only how will and how will these people benefit population. from it uh, because they need these workers i mean let's look at them as oh i need a workforce but they're creating a sick workforce they're creating
0: oh, oh they're po- not looking they're they're only looking in their pocketbook for the end of the month this month how much money did i make this month they're they're, they're not looking that long
1: ah okay you know I, I find that truly kind kind of hard to navigate right because when you do something uh, and, and you know for you as you said you were, you were faced with no other choice um and, you know, I I spoke to a friend the other day and her son was, I think, six or seven. I think he was uh, also diagnosed with type one. And yes, it is, you know, it's very hard. I'm not, I can't even understand what it is growing up with that. Um, but, you know, I grew up with this with a different kind of issue, which was a form of blindness called ma- juvenile macular degeneration, right? And, oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, it's a form of thing. It's called Stargardt's disease. Basically, when I was nine or eight or nine, I lost my cent- entire central vision overnight and left with a certain amount of peripheral vision. And I was just trying to understand because yours is much more obvious when it comes to a thing to deal with because it's food, it's what you put into your body. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, it was one of the senses which I had to kind of cope with losing uh, or rather living without for the most part. Um, I mean, how I'm just trying to understand because there is a certain parallel that i can s- not see but sense in dealing with that because you, you just have to kind of na- when you're pushed put in that situation you just had to navigate living a life with type 1 diabetes in my case i had to just face a life living with um with a lack of sight so so it, it's very important because now i realize how good in some ways uh i um it, it was for me because i wouldn't have gone down this path of living if i had that you know did, did you ever feel that
0: Oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Those of us that have health conditions, I well, if, uh, we could start a whole spiritual discussion, but it
1: Absolutely. can really be
0: seen as a gift. It it can really be seen as a gift. I don't think I would ever choose to have type one diabetes again, but I have no doubt now <laughs> that my blood sugars machine is beeping at me right now. I'm a little low. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I had to get the beverage too. It's just a little fruit.
1: Um, sure, sure. Anytime you need anything, just, just it, we can it, pause it. Yeah.
0: It. Uh, anytime you have a health challenge, there is gifts that are that that come out of it. And I have no doubt that eating healthfully and exercising and getting good sleep and not drinking much alcohol, those are things that are very significant in my life. Have healthy food is significant in my life getting good significant in my life because I was diagnosed with a chronic condition at the age of seven. I know how important it is to take good care of my body. It's essential for me. It's essential part of my life. And that is the gift of any health condition is ironically, right? It really does take you out of the norm. It makes that what everybody else is doing is not an option for you in your case, it's seeing. In my case, it's eating, you know, things that people that people unlike you and me do every day. Eat and see things. They eat whatever <laughs> they want, they see whatever they want.
1: <laughs> yeah. But and that, that and comes so with the You and I have spend. been given
0: the gift yeah. of of really having to go out of our way. Well, we've been given the gift to realize how how precious the body is to not abuse it. We already lost one thing. We don't want to lose another thing, right? Yeah. And that's the gift that you and I have been given, that everybody that's listening, hopefully you don't have to be given a, quote, gift (laughs) to change your way of eating. But many people don't until they do have some sort of scary diagnosis. And hopefully you and I are having this discussion to inspire people to not get to that point of heart attack, diabetes, depression, anxiety, obesity, right?
1: Absolutely. I think what's important, what you just said, is looking at it as a gift because for many years, I clearly didn't look at it as a gift. I looked at it as a curse. I looked at it as something that made me abnormal, not good enough. And what you're saying is essential, right? Because if you can change that mindset and look at it as as an opportunity or a situation which you can use to appreciate the rest of what you have, as opposed to what you've lost, I think that important mindset shift is so uh, essential to live a better life. Because if you look at it from what you've lost, like if you had looked at it like, oh my god, I, I can't, I can't eat all the things that I love, then you start doing this, which I did for years, which is start, you know, kind of abusing your body, going anyway, it's worthless. I'm just going to go on the spiral. But the reason I'm sitting here today talking to you is because I chose to shift that way of looking at myself, right? From not having to appreciating what I do have, and that the moment you go into that space, you start recognizing what you need to do, and of course, you know, start balancing out. Okay, you know, one, I I do I do appreciate having a few drinks with friends. I'll continue doing that, but I will reduce my intake of food because I know that you know overeating's bad. Or I'll exercise more. So you start making these choices to, to live the life that you want. And what, some days you'll be like, you know what, maybe I should. It's time that I pull back from. Um, eating meat or quitting alcohol because I just know that my body n- can't handle it anymore. So, but only can you look at life like that when you start appreciating what you do have. If you're kind that of working from this, solution. yeah, because otherwise you're kind of just like ah, anyway. I'm anyway. I'm screwed. Anyway, I can't see. Let, let me just get hammered every night or not eat food because I did that in college for years. I never. I, ate, I probably eat one meal a day, which would be you know a bag of you know top ramen noodles or whatever it was, and. I would have severe acidity. I'm like, see, anyway, I can't see now, but I have bad gut health. And I Mm -hmm. wouldn't say it's because of, and I would never blame myself, right? I would be like, oh, anyway, I'm screwed. And I just didn't enjoy living for many years because it was this, it was the only sort of escape was getting, you know, drunk and kind of not looking forward to the next day. But if you shift to this place, I think that's the only way you can appreciate it because there are many people who do have this, gift, as you said, but aren't able to see it as a gift because of that's the it's other message. It's a messaging. process. It's a yeah. process,
0: right? Like the five stages of grief, right? The five yeah. stages of grief. The first is, you know, denial. And then I think it's depression and anger. And the fifth stage is acceptance. And yeah. I certainly have gone and they're not linear. You know, you yeah. don't finish denial and then move on and then go into anger and then finish that and then move on. Right. So it's really interesting I just yesterday had this discussion with, I just turned 50. You said you're 40. I turned 50. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it takes a lifetime of abusing your body to get to the level of appreciation. Either, it either takes decades or a diagnosis.
1: Truly. <laughs> That's a nice one. Yeah.
0: Decades <laughs> or a diagnosis, right? Yeah. And so uh, I was saying to my girlfriend yesterday, and, and I will be totally vulnerable. That's one of the things. I mean, I, I'm vulnerable with all my patients, and I'm vulnerable with my type. In my TEDx talk, I, I love yeah. being real, I'm not here yeah. to hide anything. No,
1: please, I, that's I, great. Yeah,
0: I, I passionately want people to eat healthier because it affects you on every level of your life and it affects our world, right? I. Uh, it's one of my biggest passions is that we've got to wake up and realize the damage that these foods are, are I, no, these products are causing. But yesterday I said to my girlfriend, I said, you know, I think for most of my life, I've been highly motivated by feeling like I'm not good enough, so I should go to med school, or I'm not good mm. enough, so I should do a TED Talk. I'm not good enough, so I should travel the world, or whatever it is. Like, yeah. Obviously, I'm a fun, outgoing person, but a lot of my undercurrent was, I don't know if I'm good enough, so I'm going to work really hard to make myself feel better about who I am, right? Yeah. It's when I now that I'm finally fifty, I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm awesome. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I just want to chill. Isn't it tiring to think like that? Was that?
1: You know the way you were thinking, and I I completely resonate with that. Isn't it just after a point tiring to it's just, tiring, just constantly yeah
0: tiring? Const- well, absolutely. <laughs> I've never been so exhausted. Like <laughs> it's exhausting because you're living from. Not enough, as opposed yeah. to living from enough, I want to enjoy. Yeah. And my gift to myself now that I'm 50 is I am enough and i want to relax and enjoy as much as possible i've traveled the world i've i spent 3 weeks in bangalore doing a panchakarma and mm. losing weight and feeling sick and i've <laughs> i've yeah. you know i've written a book i've been to all these things and i my business by the way is you know i help patients with type 1 diabetes virtually i've been yeah. doing that i love helping patients with type 1 diabetes so if anybody's listening and you know somebody that has type 1 Look me up. You know that is my passion. I love helping people. But mm-hmm. my passion now is for my personal life is to is to really relax more. And but what I'm getting at is what what she talked about when I said to her, you know, I think I'm finally realizing I'm enough. And she goes, Well, Jody. She goes, That's great that you figured that out. She goes, But don't think that you're the only one that doesn't think that way. She goes, That is every human's. Uh passion, every hum- or every human's journey, I should say, that mm-hmm. we all come here with our insecurities because we're human. We've forgotten that we are godlike, and it takes a lifetime sometimes to get back to really mm-hmm. living in our brilliance, in our beauty, in our godlike qualities. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, when we think we're not enough, or we think that we're not this beautiful, amazing human body that's when it's so easy to to fill it with crap. Yeah. Right? That's part of forgetting our godlike nature, our, our beauty and what we're here. But it, it's also a process. You know, you had to get to 40. You had to lose some vision. I had to get diabetes. I had to get to 50. So I don't want to judge anybody where they're at on the process, right? Mm. You can't plant a seed and see a beautiful tree the next day. There's processes and everything. So... On one hand, I respect everybody's process of where they're at with their food and what they're at with their diet and what, where they're at with what they're putting in their body. But on the other hand, um, I, I hope that people get to a place of of treating their bodies more godlike sooner than mm. later.
1: <laughs> you know, the insecurity thing you mentioned is so important because it's also, you, you can use another word for it, which is the ego, Right. But I feel, as you say so importantly, what you put in is so um, directly connected with what the body as a result does, because we already have enough junk in the world, which is causing cancers and increase. We Mm -hmm. saw during COVID what happened, like people were susceptible to it, were really screwed by it. But when you look at food and what you're saying is heartfelt, saying, I just want people to be healthy by avoiding sugar or processed food or stuff that is Mm -hmm. got added sugar it's not an unreasonable passion to have right it's like I want to help people but the moment you say that now it goes in today's day and age the conversation automatically becomes what what's wrong with my diet My, my diet is better than yours like a Um, vegetarian will point a finger at a carnivore diet or a carnivore diet will point a finger at a vegan or a vegan will point a finger at everyone because the vegan is just the most wronged person on this planet, right? Because everyone is out (laughs) to get them. Um,
0: And vegans, (laughs) unfortunately, some eat the most processed food I've ever seen. They they eat cheese that's not really cheese. They eat meat that's not really meat. And I'm like, what is in that? (laughs) So exactly.
1: I wanted to ask because even in a vegetarian diet, like my family predominantly is vegetarian, right? So when we Look yeah. at our food; it can be extremely unhealthy if you look at only the like the sweets yeah. we make for the festivals, or um, sure. you know, if sure. you because every diet's got bad food. Uh, if you sure. only eat that, it's a bad diet, right? Sure. Sure. Um, but if I look at growing up, uh, you know, mainly our our, our carbs is rice, um, and you know, it was what was made was eaten. Like we would have like three four kinds of vegetable dishes, and it was yum. And at the end, we would eat a bowl of curd which was made at home. Uh, so there was dairy there was vegetables there was carbs but we, we we never felt that it was a we never felt it was overeating right but um someone would then say oh but you're, you're eating dairy and you need more eggs you need more protein so i want to understand how do you determine this because as you said someone might just sit on their high horse going i'm vegan and i eat only tofu and silken tofu right. but i've read besides you just saying now i read that tofu is very processed right the whole Right. The way it's made isn't a natural soybean anymore. <laughs> right. So, how it's does not. someone uh, determine um, within their own ways, right? Because there may be someone who's, say, Italian descent or Italian who's saying, "But, but sure. I've grown up my entire life eating pasta or sure. eating like sure. you know parmesan with whatever it may be, or sure. a Mexican diet which is beans and tortillas, or my diet sure. which is our Indian diet which is rice or wheat or chapatis or whatever it may be, right? Um, so. So each person does have a certain diet, which they grew up with. So how do you approach that and say, you know what? Because it's not one diet for all.
0: Great, great, great question. So like I said, first, I really want people to find their own motivation. Mm -hmm. You're not going to make change until you find your own motivation. And it's you're going to look you're going to look older, faster. You're going to have a heart attack sooner. You're going to gain weight and, you know, look unhealthy you're gonna have acne, whatever you know, so mm. first of all, find out what your motivation is, maybe in the moment you can't concentrate. I just can't enforce that enough because I don't want anyone to be listening to be um thinking like what's the point in this? Well, find your point first, yeah. and then and then uh, small baby steps, you know it maybe you do have a great healthy diet, okay, Celebrate and on your that, but If you're listening, I mean, the whole goal of you and I doing this interview is to inspire people to eat healthier so they feel better, they're happier, and they have a healthier body and a healthier life, right? They feel better about themselves, they feel better about their bodies, and they avoid pills and diagnoses in the future. That's the whole point of our conversation. Yeah. And we could also say to not keep giving money to all these greedy food product corporations. Yeah. But, you know, you just got to find your, you got to find your weak point and just start there. You don't need to do an overhaul. I mean, unless they mm. are in a horrible medical condition, you need overhaul, yeah. right? The average person could probably eat better. You know, I'll say in my, my three, um, in my TED Talk, sugar is not a treat. At the end, I'll say, here are my three tips for you. Number one, have protein for breakfast, mm. right? Start your day by not spiking your blood sugar, right? Mm. Just just start your day. If you're not, if you haven't eating protein for breakfast right now, just eat protein for breakfast. Mm.
1: Um,
0: number two.
1: So okay, I'm just going to interrupt you there for a moment because okay. um, before you get to point two and three. So someone would say okay. to <clears throat> to me like, yeah, you know, eat like what do you eat for lunch? Eat for breakfast. I have like have a steak or have eggs or whatever. But what 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 are some good proteins for vegetarians? Because there's something I've been reading up on and hearing a lot of debate on going. You know you. Um, that vegetarian diets are really, really lacking protein. So you must have uh, whey supplements or whatever it may be. So what would you recommend for a vegetarian listening uh, to start with breakfast, especially? Because breakfast foods, um, if you don't look at meat, um, the options are fewer, let's say.
0: Okay, so number one would be buckwheat. You know, it's actually not a wheat at all. It's uh, it's actually related to rhubarb. Um, so okay. buckwheat is a great protein source right Mm -hmm. so that's one um obviously chickpeas hummus Mm. things like that right right that would be a good one um i don't know how many nuts you guys do um but in in america we have a lot of like almond butters and cashews brazilian brazil nuts everything like that yeah um you could just do um edamame beans right? right and then you skip it being processed into tofu. Right.
1: Um
0: the pumpkin seeds, you know, uh I love pumpkin seeds, hemp, hemp is great, mm. beans and rice, right? Mm. Not too much rice, but beans, obviously I already mentioned that, chia seeds, I love making chia pudding. Do you guys have chia seeds in India?
1: Yeah, I, I mean see, right, that's the thing which, which, which you just said, right? We, we, everything is available. But it comes at a price, right? So now someone who doesn't have too much money uh, their options automatically are dropped by 50% in the list you said. So the chickpeas are a very common thing in our diet. Beans, of course. Yeah. Um, but again, I think buckwheat, we have different forms. We have millets, I think, and um, that's also okay. quite a big um, uh, part high of our diet. Mean, yeah, I think millets are good. More
0: high protein, yeah. High
1: fiber as well. So it's, yeah. it's a bad. But um, yeah, but then again, you look at you know the, the, the people who can afford these things they are already aware but the people who can't afford these things are first of all not even keyed into the conversation right because they don't even know it's yeah. an option and that's what I find yeah. unfortunate because that's the majority who are of course there are the people who will be like oh I've made my money I'm prosperous now and there's an old Indian saying right that it's the, the big belly is the prosperity curve I'm like no it's not it looks, it looks awful right and we, and that, that is you guys an
0: gotta—you guys gotta make that outdated. I mean, that was—that yeah. was like the Romans, right? Your fat means you're wealthy, but that was—and yeah. it's so you know, sad because outdated. a lot of Indians
1: do that. Yeah, we do have very small physiques compared to a lot of people in the West, but we have big yeah. bellies, and that's something people are not. And I'm not saying just this is men or both men and women. It just looks, yeah. And apparently, it is genetically predisposed for Indians to put on more abdominal fat because of a certain whatever, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, because of mm-hmm. certain the fat fat receptors and the way it is compared to say a Caucasian body where it becomes bigger. Yeah. So. Mm. Yeah. So anyway, so I, I, I digress. But um, that's a nice list if people can first of all access it and afford it. But uh, you were then saying the second point, right? protein in the breakfast uh menu that
0: also is a lot of times when you are wanting well protein is going to start your day with balanced blood sugar right so it's right. going to avoid that high blood sugar spike right after breakfast that, that can last all day and then you have energy and then you don't and you want to eat more and you eat crap and then you have energy and you right i mean it's a whole thing so it's not just replacing some sugar that you have in your breakfast with protein mm. but it's really potentially improving your whole day right right I mean I could say I could say don't have dessert but that's not going to improve your whole day. Yeah. Right? If you, you have protein for breakfast, you might not even want dessert by the end of the day because you haven't been on a blood sugar roller coaster all day, right? Yeah, so it's really yeah. a powerful um way, but beans I would say would be the most worldwide universal, Got you it. know, affordable protein, right? Beans. Mm. Whatever. And sugar are, right? with
1: coffee or sugar with tea, would that would you recommend that or just none of that?
0: Well, so I don't you know, blanket recommendations are hard. I, I mm. you know, if you just love, I mean, sugar, you're putting more sugar in. It's not great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> because it took me a long time to get off thing.
1: like milk and sugar in my coffee, right? I'm not a big, big coffee. Type. I would do one cup a day or two cups a day. But it was just so ingrained in my head that milk and sugar, milk and sugar, cream and sugar. Uh, but then first right. I was like, what is this drink that I'm having, which tastes, I'm like, that's the taste of coffee, buddy. Because till now you're tasting sugar. And
0: uh, isn't that funny? So yeah. true. So true. People don't know what, you know, I have a friend who was having all these dairy allergies. And he said, I don't drink dairy, you know. And then, and then I had a breakfast with him one day and he put so much cream. I said, look at all that cream. I'm like, what are you doing Your coffee is like a white milk. Mm. And He started drinking coffee. He's like, "Oh, this tastes really good. This is like a good. It's like a whole. You're right. So many people they don't actually taste coffee. You know, it's like a it's like a medium for their cream and their sugar. And so if you are addicted to your sugar and your coffee." Still start your day with protein because yeah. if the first thing in your stomach is sugar, it's horrible. I mean mm. don't have sugar in your coffee. Drink that and then have your protein for breakfast because that doesn't really work. You already started your day with sugar. You already mm. – you have an empty stomach and you put sugar in it. Boom. You're going to get a sugar spike.
1: So even you fruit, start,
0: Yes. Mm. Yes. Now, certain fruits, you know, there's the glycemic index, right? Blueberries, very low sugar. You can, right. I always start my day with bl- blueberries, maybe in yogurt or something like that, or chia pudding. And no. uh, But bananas, worse, the worst. Pineapple, all the tropical fruits are super spiky in blood sugar-wise. Oh. So that's not great. Yeah, I can just Google the glycemic index if yeah. people want to learn about glycemic index measures how fast certain foods raise blood sugar. So yeah. If you want to avoid a spike in the morning, the safest fruit would be well, low glycemic fruits are like apples, um and then when you put um a protein on the apple like in America, we do a peanut butter and apple. the mm. peanut butter actually will slow down the glucose right um, if you yeah, so that's why if you want coffee with sugar, have your protein breakfast first and mm. then drink the sugar
1: because so it's then sugar the stomach. An, it's, right.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My my analogy is like, do you want to put the kids at the front of the line at Disneyland and the parents behind them? Mm. Or do you want to put the parents in front and then the kids behind? So Clearly put we're putting our in front, kids in
1: front on on all the fronts right now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly. And then we, there's no way there's nothing to slow down the sugar getting in, man. There's yeah. nothing. So <laughs> we're um, putting our so kids in the front talk. line. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Right. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, um, so point th- two, yeah, you were saying.
0: I have a whole bunch more tips besides the three. But in my talk, three, number one is start your day with protein. Number two is next time you're hungry, first drink a big glass of water. Mm. So many people are dehydrated. And right. dehydration can feel like hunger and it can feel like fatigue. And people will want to eat food to have energy. But so many people are dehydrated. So next time you're hungry, always drink a glass of water first. And then see if you can suddenly skip your hunger. That is so, so easy. And it's so key because we, mm. I don't know about India, but I know people don't drink enough water. So that's number two. And then number three, I don't know how applicable this is in India, but in America, there's so many low carb replacements now. You can do pizza with cauliflower crust, you can do chocolate chip cookies with almond flour, you can do keto waffles and keto pancakes and you can take all your favorite high sugar things and figure out ways to make them i'm sure you can make things out of garbanzo bean flour or chickpea flour right
1: Um, instead of
0: well yes yes and like i said at the very beginning i'm not here to preach that every single thing you put in your mouth needs to be you know a a bean and a nut and a you know only the reality is all of us are going to eat food that are products all of us are going to eat certain process but like i said there's that there's the there's the bread that's like whole grain whole you know sprouted grain really whole close to the earth bread Mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. there's like wonder bread that's white and you're (laughs) like what is it what is it like i don't even even know what it is i wonder what it is like you don't even know what you're eating right so that it it has that whole spectrum if you will of i i have processed foods sure but i try to get processed foods that are closer to the earth form yeah and and i'm not i'm not here to preach i mean in my ted talk i'm like look people I love chocolate chip cookies. Are you kidding? I love ice cream. Are you kidding? I love like my favorite dessert, fudge brownie sundae. So Mm. I don't want to preach anybody like we have to be perfect. Yeah. But the, the, uh, we need to have a healthier diet. I'm not Mm. saying you have to have a healthy every bite you take. Yeah. But let's just increase, let's raise the bar a little bit. Right. Let's just raise the bar a little. I'm going to always have cookies, but I, I'll, I love my almond flour cookies and I put stevia in like a, like a, plant-based sweetener instead of sugar in yeah. when I make cookies yeah so um so those are my three in my uh, TED talk and then I actually have a few other ones don't buy it I said that at the beginning mm-hmm. if you're having problems eating all these things can you just not buy it can you yeah. just not have it in your house can you just throw out some of the crap that's in your house can you yeah. just clean it up a little bit right number the next one is one of the biggest killers is just sugary drinks. There are so many drinks, and they're all full of sugar, all of Mm. them. There are so many. So you want to make a change? How about just don't buy sugar drinks? Mm. That's it. That would be massive in terms of worldwide health improvement. If we just stopped drinking sugar drinks. I mean, I don't know about in India. In America, the line goes on for practically the whole, like, it seems like it's a half a mile of 100 different options of sugar we're getting there
1: right? we're getting there you know that's what i used to do when i was in college like you know have like a red bull and and vodka and i'm like oh my god this is sugar and alcohol and it's just oh, ridiculous.
0: and caffeine
1: <laughs> and caffeine but nowadays you know I, I i i can't remember the last time i drank a coke i think must've been over a year and a half two years back because i mean we i mean of course now we don't have all the better the options of like root beer and dr pepper but we have a, yeah. we have a big number and we have um, of course, another thing people are like. Oh no, don't drink Pepsi. You should drink Tropicana fruit juice. I'm like, oh my god, that's that's as bad, you know, like these packaged juices. But
0: so uh, much sugar. So and even alcohol drink. does
1: it have as much sugar as these sugary drinks?
0: Well, we can't alcohol. I mean, what are we talking about a margarita? Are we talking about tequila? Oh, like a, just a beer? Beer? Just, we're talking about yeah, yeah. Well, there's a hundred million different kinds of beers these days, so. Mm. It's but do they put a lot of
1: added sugars, like typically like from these factory-made beers?
0: Unfortunately, in America, we have nutrition fact labels on all of our foods, but somehow the alcohol industry doesn't have to put any labels on them. So we don't mm. know what they put on them. There's no label. Right. There's no label. But we know that beer isn't a health food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, right already yeah. like if you're thinking anything except you enjoy the taste of it and you like the buzz mm. those are there's no like health benefits it's not like giving you vitamins and nutrients of and course. protein and meat acids <laughs> of course yeah
1: yeah yeah and i think that's important and and that's and that's such a i, I, li- I like the admission right people who drink um i like i like to drink i know it's I know it's really bad, but you know what? I like the buzz, but no one does that with food, right? It's it's so, uh, it's almost like this. Yeah. Um, I eat because I'm healthy. Like no one says, I, you know, because it's lovely to enjoy food, but it's either extreme, either someone's like a total nut job going, you know, I watch every single grain that enters my body or it's the other extreme, shoving dominoes into their face. So I think what I really like about your message is that, you know, you don't have to be either or, but you can make a step no. from both directions towards the middle because even the extreme of every fiber of going into your body it's not sustainable right because after a point you just kind of become obsessed with just that as opposed to enjoying eating and living
0: well clearly your story as you've you know uh dropped pieces here and there in in our interview in the past hour Mm -hmm. you used to eat horrifically and now it sounds like you eat fabulously so everybody it. Mm -hmm. it didn't happen overnight Right. No, so no. everybody's got to find what's important to them. Everybody's got to find their motivation. Everybody's going to take their baby steps. Right. Yeah. How do you start, you know, a journey of 10,000 steps yeah. with one step? Right. That's how you do it. So Absolutely. I I want to inspire people to find out how much better they think they could feel and start taking baby steps in that direction to like, I'm going to have protein for breakfast or I'm going to yeah. stop drinking sugar drinks or I'm going to not have that after dinner or you know you don't have to do and overhauls don't don't last anyways overhauls yeah. don't last baby steps are right is the tortoise or the hare the tortoise always runs the race right the hair burns out so don't burn yourself out but if you want to feel better eat better just start there yeah.
1: and the biggest thing i realized is that i used to to battle the way i used to feel because of whatever bad diet or i mean i used to you know not have a as you said it wasn't it was probably horrific i think yeah i think okay cool, cool to say that but i would then balance that with like because i was doing shows i was like oh god i have to travel some i would pop pills i would pop antacids i would always i would be anxious i would carry like my anxiety medicine and i'm not saying oh, man uh, i don't have those days now i mean there are days i wake up anxious because you know probably had a few extra drinks or you know i had yeah. too much to eat but that's the odd yeah. oddity now you know where i and I, yeah. I i can't remember the last time of course you know this is i'm saying taking every day of the week waking up taking an antacid and people are like oh it's fine you can take it i take i don't take the, as stronger one and i'm like i don't take medicines at all now i take supplements of course i take vitamin d i take vitamin k2 whatever but i haven't popped a pill unless of course i'm hungover then i take a pain, like an advil yeah. but yeah. i haven't medication is not something which is priority on my travel list or when i leave the house
0: right great and it's been a journey and now you're there so let's yeah. hope people get inspired to do the same
1: you know just yeah and it's food food, it's is, so
0: food is your life food is feeding your body right food is making you look beautiful food is giving you energy food is helping with your memory food is helping you sleep and uh i hope that our interview today has inspired people to realize that and be more mindful of what they're putting in their bodies
1: absolutely No, thank you so much for answering the the the, the sort of questions i had and also some of the the directions that we went were really helpful because of scenarios that might not have panned out, but we can kind of prevent if uh, people follow, you know, as you said, small steps, right? Nothing overhaul, nothing kind of dramatic, but uh, people of course can reach out to you and especially if they know someone or they themselves have type 1 diabetes and I can put all the links to your um, consultant Consultation service uh, in the description. Uh, anything you would like to say before we wind up today, Doctor Jody?
0: Well, I hope you're inspired. And yes, I, I, uh, I, you can find me by just simply googling the words "Doctor Jody Diabetes." I think those three words. I think they should work even in India. I think if you absolutely I, like yeah. I said my TED Talk, I really encourage you to watch my TED Talk. That's really going to hit home the message that we have today. And yes, if you or know someone you know has type one diabetes, I don't work with type twos. Um, I work with type 1s. You can find my website when you Google Dr. Jody Diabetes. And then uh, I have free videos. I have a YouTube channel. And I have a calendar that people can sign up to speak with me. So I just hope that we inspired you to eat better because it improves your life. And then when you're feeling better, it it just ripples out and affects everybody. So um, our society today is really being burdened by this effect of sugar and all the kids are eating it and then all the adults are ended up in the hospital and hopefully we can you know get rid of that whole yeah. <laughs> cycle of, <laughs> of <laughs> yeah so thank you i i am um, it was a pleasure
1: thank you Judy. it was it was lovely having you on and thanks for the message and thanks for all the work you're doing